If you're not unlocking the full value of your SaaS, what are you doing? There is no denying it. SaaS is mission critical to your company's growth and success. And as the number two operating expense for most organizations, it's your biggest opportunity to save money and drive efficiency. The time is now to do something about it. Please take this as your personal invitation to join me and your fellow IT, SAM, finance, and procurement leaders at SASME on May 16th, 2023. SASME is the industry's only dedicated SaaS management event where you can sharpen your skills, hear from your peers, and learn how to unlock value and responsible business growth through smarter SaaS management. It's virtual, it's free, and it's going to knock your socks off. Register today at sasme.com. That's S-A-A-S me.com. It's time to get your sassing gear. Are you with me? All this freemium software that's out there. Somebody cites Slack is not to point too many fingers here, but it's a nice example where Slack can start out as a free tool. And then all of a sudden your entire organization is using it and it's unprotected and, and now you have to pay for it. You do a double take and say, well, what, what happened there? And, you know, I don't want to pick on them because Slack's great, but there's plenty of examples like that where if you let your guard down, if you let people sign up for free stuff, it can get out of hand really, really quickly. And hello, hello, and welcome to SAS Me Unfiltered, the SAS management podcast. The show with give it to you straight, real life advice from pros knee deep in SaaS every single day. SaaS management superheroes just like you. We are back for another episode of SaaS Me Unfiltered. Really excited to have everyone join us today. I'm Corey Wheeler, co-founder and chief customer officer here at Xylo. We've got a really special guest here today. I'm very excited. I've known this person for many years now, which is really awesome to be able to say is... You know, Xylo continues to scale into the future. We've got a lot of folks that were on board with us early on that believed in the value prop. And our guest today was certainly one of those. He is very much leading enterprise procurement and strategic sourcing, supplier risk, real estate, and strategy today for Grubhub. He's a very experienced procurement leader and has demonstrated a history of working in management consulting and in technology, something that he and I share a commonality around. He's built out his team at Grubhub from a team of one to a team of 11 from 2017 to now. He's got a wide array of negotiation and sourcing and business process improvement expertise that he's developed over that course of time. Previously was in procurement and sourcing at PwC and Alaris Consulting, so some solid consulting background. He's a an Iowa Hawkeye, go Big Ten. Spent a lot of time in Chicago and then moved to Brooklyn, where he currently resides. Has been there about three years. And even though he's in Brooklyn, he's still a Bears and Bulls guy, which I very much appreciate. And in his spare time, he loves traveling, exploring the city, the East Coast with his wife. Please welcome Brett Bartolai to the show. Brett, how are you? I'm doing great, Corey. Thank you for the really warm introduction. And it's fantastic to be here. It's a familiar one. You and I have known each other for quite a long time. We've shared that commonality around building out procurement organizations and driving centralization around a category that is so fragmented and distributed. So I want to get your take. We do a hot take section 
here on the show. And I want to make sure I get your take on this one. I think it's really relevant for a leader like you. Okay. You ready for it? Absolutely. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Hot Takes with Tom, a give it to you straight point of view on SaaS management and optimization. Today's hot take is that businesses today are not tapping into the full potential and value that procurement can bring to the business. Procurement's role is not just to negotiate contracts. The magic for the business lies in their operational influence on SaaS renewals. Let's get a little perspective on this. The average company has more than 200 SaaS renewals a year. That means there's always work to be done, always money on the table, and always opportunities to drive value. So then, how does operationalizing of SaaS renewals maximize procurement's impact to the business? First, procurement has never been more aligned to company goals than right now. Renewals are your opportunity to directly impact OPEX and your bottom line. Second, renewals are the pivotal event in every application lifecycle. It's truly the only time you can make a change and an impact. Third, if there's any moment in time where you could really save money, it's at the renewal. That means negotiating the best deal, cutting waste, and increasing your purchasing power. And last, a rockstar procurement playing hero ball only gets you so far. Your business is the most successful when procurement creates an operational framework that unites all stakeholders around a common pain point. So what's the bottom line in all of this? Procurement is the backbone of renewal governance. Without this, you're not making data-driven decisions, you're always playing catch-up, and you're losing a lot of cost savings opportunities. Now is the time to operationalize your SaaS renewals. So Brett, what's your take on that hot take? Well, Corey, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm actually looking for the hot take because I think everything you said is paramount to a procurement organization right now. And if you're not doing that, I, I do think that you need to get started figuring out the best way, especially if you're working in the tech industry like we are. You know, I'm almost embarrassed to say how many software applications uh, we do have. So maybe I'll keep that number to myself. But what I do feel like we've done a, a fairly nice job of in the five plus years I've been there is operationalizing that, ensuring we have all the expiration dates, ensuring that we're tracking and we don't have the bandwidth to negotiate every single one, but we know when they're coming up and we know what the, the end result is going to be. I love it. So so yes, I'm in on that hot take. <laughs> I've always referred to it. Procurement is that connective tissue that unites the organization and the opportunity around SaaS, which is owned by everybody in the company procurement's role really becomes elevated. It's something I'm I'm very passionate about because the standardization, when everybody in a company is buying something, but there's no real clear central direction, that's the opportunity for procurement. No doubt about it. And I listened to the podcast you had, I think late last year, this is a team sport and you're absolutely right. And you know, it's not hero ball. It's not procurement on its own. It takes five or six stakeholder groups to be successful in it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that procurement journey that you've gone on. So you were an undergrad and thinking about what you were doing. And a lot of folks say procurement kind of uh, is something that evolves as you're looking at your, your future career path. But how did you get into procurement to begin with? Yeah. So I was at University of Iowa and I was an accounting major. And you know it was a major where I didn't necessarily want to be an accountant, but I knew it was going to be helpful in my business career. And and from the University of Iowa, I was able to land at a, a small boutique management, supply chain management consulting shop in Chicago called Alaris Consulting at the time. I think it was 50 to, to 100 people. 
And it was the right fit for me and my personality at the time where at University of Iowa, there wasn't a supply chain degree. I don't believe there were supply chain classes. So I didn't know much about procurement at all. So it was good ground for me to break into the profession at, at a small firm where I could just come in, absorb and learn and, and do the work. You mentioned to me at one point, very few people go into procurement. Procurement sort of finds you. So I think that's my my experience as well. You kind of find your way into that and then build out that overall strategy and career. If we jump forward just a little bit, you know, you were in consulting, working with very large organizations, developing strategies, driving cost savings. What led you from that to jump into at the time an earlier stage tech startup to build out procurement and process when everything was likely pretty chaotic? Yeah. So what led me to Grubhub, I guess, is um Alaris Consulting was acquired by PricewaterhouseCoopers in, in 2009. And, and then I continued at PwC through 2017. And my entire career was, was in consulting. It was the Monday through Thursday, hop on planes, travel. And by the time I got around to 2016, 2017, I was fairly burnt out on it. it I, I still believe to this day consulting is an excellent way to go, way to cut your teeth, excellent way to learn. But I was looking for something different. And so what did dif- different look like? I-, I wasn't exactly sure. And being in Chicago at the time, I was trying to look for the right opportunity, maybe less of an established procurement group and more something where I can utilize my consulting skills to my advantage and seek to build something. And really, really fortunately for me, Grubhub presented itself as an opportunity uh, in 2017 to do just that. Which is super cool. It gives you the opportunity to lead and build and create things in the way that you've always believed need to be created. Where's the value versus the red tape and you know, assess how procurement is viewed in the organization and create something in your own image that you're proud of. And that's certainly something that you've done at Grubhub and it's very commendable. So then as you think about that now... What are you most passionate about professionally as you're now leading a larger organization that's the connective tissue internally at Grubhub? What drives you? Team building, for one, drives me. So yeah, like uh, you mentioned, Corey, so I was a team of one that that joined Grubhub with the edict to to start the procurement function. In my first year at Grubhub, it, it was just me. I was a solo contributor proving out the value. And um, you know, my boss at the time said, just get involved. Get involved. The savings are going to come. The the right process is going to come. Just get involved and good things will happen. Well, that's the approach I took. I did that for a year and then I proved the value. And and then I was allowed to get uh, one more hire. So in year two, I hired somebody else. I actually poached them from from PwC and uh, it was a team of two. And then from there, it sort of builded on, you know, the value just kept being fleshed out from what we were doing. And, and so now, it's a team of uh, 11 or 12 today. So, you know, it, it's something that I've worked hard at. I've, I'm proud of and team building is something that still is super fulfilling for me. Yeah. Secondarily, you know, what drives me is, is making an impact every single day. So there's a lot of great things about the consulting world, but what I've found is different in the corporate world is there's always something to own. There's always something to do every single day to drive value with, within the organization. So that's what keeps uh, me going here. Yeah. And, and procurement in a high growth startup is a whole different ballgame than procurement at a Fortune 100 company as a part of a, a cog in a larger wheel. So totally get it. 
Now, kind of drawing my own parallel, you know, I, I've, I've often talked about, you know, the, the idea behind Zylo. You know, it was really solving a problem that I had. Very similarly to you, I built a procurement organization at a high growth startup and came across many problems very quickly that were foreign to me because I had been in large organizations with legacy infrastructure and software. And it was a shock to the system when I came out of those large companies into a high growth startup that freedom to do whatever you need to do to get your job done was that those decisions were made at the individual employee level. How did you get started with SaaS management as you came into Grubhub? I was there when we had those early conversations. <laughs> but what does that journey look like? And how did you get moving on it? Yeah, it's looking back on it. It was really funny because I did not have SaaS or software experience going into Grubhub. My consulting time was a nice blend of direct and indirect materials, nine-step strategic sourcing process, some P2P work, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it was never go negotiate this million-dollar software application. That just wasn't the opportunities that, that I had at the time. So going into Grubhub, I had to learn very, very quickly what you know, SaaS management, what software applications were all about and how it was going to make an impact. And, you know, one of my first weeks at Grubhub, our CFO at the time, now CEO said, we're spending way too much on software. Go figure it out and start saying no to people. <laughs> I said, yes, absolutely. And I put my head down and said, well, how am I going to figure this one out? And what I realized a little bit later was he was looking at a software cost center in his budget that was had some software and some stuff that wasn't software. And that's not really besides the point, but he was looking at one really large round number and saying, go figure it out. And so, so that's what I had to do. I like to tell people this anecdote, but I had no idea that there's a company called Twilio that charges us for text messages as yeah. an example, right? Yep. You order, you order Grubhub and you do it on your, on your laptop. You get a text message when you, you place the order, when the delivery's, you know, on its way, et cetera, et cetera. I had to get to that level of detail and learn the business. And there's a ton of software that's similar to that. It's all over the place. And when you're a tech organization, software is often embedded in your product, as you just mentioned, yep. as well as user-based software and meeting-based software and everything else that comes along with it. So those large and small impacts really resonate. So when it comes to SaaS, being fundamentally distributed, everybody is an owner, you've got departments buying software, you have individuals buying software, you have groups of people buying software. What is procurement's role in an area that is just so chaotic, as a lot of our customers phrase it, across their organization today? Well, what is our role? Let's see. So our role is to understand what it is, what we're buying, how much we're buying of it, not necessarily getting into like license counts, but we do support some of those activities, negotiate it, push back, challenge it. You know, we've got over 500 apps and spend millions and millions of dollars in it. So it's a huge, huge part of, you know, what we're looking at at Grubhub. And, you know, yes, the question a bit ago about how, you know, how'd you get started in it? You know, Xyla was a huge part of that. So my next step after my C CFO said, go figure it out was, well, let's go talk to our corporate IT leader at the time. I think you had a couple conversations with him and we furthered that once I had to really understand what was and wasn't software. So now we've established that we know what software is. And now we're part of the entire chain of negotiating it, getting it renewed, pushing back when we don't think we're, we're spending money the right way, et cetera. 
Yeah, you've referred to procurement's role as being the air traffic controller for all SaaS renewals yep. to be able to manage what is the value, to manage demand management, right? Do you need all of the licenses? Do you need all of those applications? And then drive that negotiation. That is the level of rigor and the diligence that uh, that procurement provides here, which is is what you're doing today. So that's great. So now transitioning from 2017, so nearly six years ago, to now, we are in the midst of across many industries. I, I think most folks are feeling it in a bit of an economic downturn, recession, you know, however you want to be able to refer to that. So when I look across our customer base at Zylo, they are increasing the importance of visibility and the the impact that they're driving. But really across orgs, it's um it's flattening things. It is where growth at all costs used to be the directive. Now it is smart growth. It is looking at the fundamentals and the bottom line and ensuring that is solid moving forward. So with that perspective, how's Grubhub positioning cost containment and value within that framework? And has that sort of become a little more center stage late last year coming into this year? Yeah, absolutely. It, it has, I think, you know, starting in 2022, when, when you mentioned growth at all costs, yeah, that was certainly... Maybe that's too strong of a phrase for us, but definitely growth was was you know super critical in, in our industry. And with that comes a lot of folks buying stuff or thinking they need stuff or, or whatever the case is, and not as much Grubhub saying no. And so that was a bit of the culture. I don't want to overemphasize that, but that's that's what led to such a large footprint of, of software applications that we have today. Now, the tide has turned a little bit. A bunch of folks have gotten a little fed up with how much we have. You mentioned in previous podcasts, as, as I brought up earlier, this is really a team sport. And so what we did to start was first, we started a business review committee to stem the tide of new software requests going forward. All right. So anything new, you have to present your case to procurement, to finance, to supplier risk, to corporate IT in tech dev, because you may have the budget for it. You may have the money for it. We may have something similar or tech dev is realizing that you want to integrate with, you know, AWS or something like that. And they want to pump the brakes on that. Or corporate IT realizes that you want to integrate with Google Workspace or Zoom or whatever the case is. And there's a lot, a lot of risk associated with that. So it's not just spending money, but it's how are you planning to integrate and use this tool going forward? We focused on stemming the tide and only allowing new applications that mm -hmm. have a really strong ROI that makes sense in terms of the integration portion as well. So that was 2022. And that's a team sport for sure. Yeah. Now moving into 2023, what we're doing is going through, we're focusing on, on what we currently have. And as we speak, meeting with department leaders, we're going through their list of software and we're having conversations around what is it? What is your plan for 2023? What is your plan for 2024? Are you using it to its full potential? If we're going to ask you to cut, what would you cut? Having those sorts of questions, those sorts of conversations right now to start to formulate plans because yes, there's kind of a greater economic outlook that we're thinking about, but also we just got too much stuff and too yeah. much and too much similar stuff. And, and we need to take a look at that. So what you've outlined is a really 
kind of pragmatic approach to being able to to drive that. And you're probably buoyed a little bit by, you know, internal employee sentiment that no, the economy is a little bit shaky right now. You mentioned that, you know, several years ago, you started your journey by saying no more often. And as we get to the current state of affairs an economic downturn and recession for many, you're probably helped out by the environment around employee sentiment. Because procurement coming in and just driving that change and saying no is very jarring. So how has that cultural shift happened over the last six years when it was get anything you need six years ago to now a much more pragmatic approach to a software review board and approvals that happen before you're bringing on new technology? Maybe describe that cultural change and if that's been quick or uh, something that's taken time to permeate through Grubhub. It's taken a bit of time and, and what I think has been most helpful for me is to not go it alone as a procurement individual and, and group and, and make it more again, the same theme, team sport. It's not about just spending money, although the overall economic outlook is, is a good backdrop and it's, it's something to lean on and, and it's real, obviously. So, so we're not, you know, making things up. We need to be more, more thoughtful around how much we're purchasing. And the ROI, but also there's other people that can support the challenging and the saying no, like corporate IT, as I mentioned, tech dev, finance, et cetera. Everybody is providing their input and the technical folks that are part of these uh, conversations know so much more about how these tools work and integrate within Grubhub where they can say, you know what? This doesn't look good for all these technical reasons that I would have no idea about because I'm just more focused on on the money aspect and some of the risk mm-hmm. portions of it. So it's more of a collective no and a collective challenge now, whereas before it was just like, eh, does this make sense or not? Right. You, you know what I mean? Or, you know, sometimes you drag finance into it and make sure there's budget or, or things like that. There's a more thoughtful approach to to challenging. I think that resonates with people a lot more now than maybe, you know, the approach we took previously. Yeah. And hopefully now you have context, right? You have the context of your entire org and all of the applications that are being leveraged and how they're being leveraged to introduce that to your kind of approval process that's cross collaborative is the right way to approach it. So bravo. When we think about our customers, most of those customers have had their oh shit moment. You know, that moment when your CFO came to you and said, I've got this software line item and just start saying no. Was that yours? You know, how did you begin and what was that initial driver in your oh shit moment that you needed visibility and something to manage this for you? Yes, that was the moment. And I, I have plenty of oh shit moments. So, so that, that's probably the primary one. If, if we're asking that question, yeah, CFO is saying we spend too much on software. I'm like, well, what is, what is software <laughs> within Grubhub? What's the, def- <laughs> what's the definition? We had, we had to start there and, and Zyla was a huge help in doing that. Some smaller moments, uh, just to not use the same example, was all this freemium software that's out there. Yeah. Somebody cites Slack is not to point too many fingers here, but it's a nice example where Slack can start out as a free tool. And then all of a sudden, your entire organization is using it and it's unprotected and, and now you have to pay for it. You do a double take and say, well, what, what happened there? And, you know, I don't want to pick on them because Slack's great, but there's plenty of examples like that where. If you let your guard down, if you let people sign up for free stuff, it can get out of hand really, really quickly. And there's been a few of those in the past six years. The advent of freemium and product-led growth is wonderful, but definitely kind of goes around the organizational frameworks in which they need to thrive. So 
Yeah, that's been a, a primary goal for for many of our customers is to understand freemium, product-led growth. How are these uh, growing year over year? And I remember some fun stories that we had year over year with some of the apps at Grubhub. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, SaaS management being a team sport, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. But maybe tell us about your specific role and function at Grubhub and how SaaS has pulled this together from a team perspective. So who all is involved when you're thinking about driving an overall approach to SaaS management at Grubhub? Yep. So procurement, of course, we have finance, we have supplier risk and InfoSec. We have individual from tech dev in our engineering team. We have corporate IT. And if you want to throw in legal there, absolutely, we can throw legal in there. As well as, you know, probably some others that I'm, I'm not mentioning, but it's, it's no short of like seven groups that, that are involved. That's the day we're in today because applications are incredibly strategic, but they have a lot of impact in the business. So pulling that group together, that's best practice to be able to drive that cohesive review. Maybe I'd even throw enterprise architecture in there for a lot of organizations absolutely. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Have you had any learnings, meaning, you know, any trip ups, any, boy, I wish I had that one back types of events or missteps that happen when you're building a cohesive strategy and trying to wrangle the cats together to make sure that they're they're delivering all of that around software and how you operationalize that in the business. Any learnings from that? Getting things discussed and moving as early as possible. <laughs> That's always it, right? Just when you think you have, you're working with plenty of time, add three more months to it and, and start putting together your plan, start negotiating. So that, that, that would be my advice to anybody going through something similar. Right on. So last question, as you think of bringing this all together, your journey over the last six years, Grubhub's journey over the last six years, and kind of the, the mature processes that you've outlined now that you're using to handle things. What are those overall criteria, measurements, whatever you want to think about? How do you look at program success internally at Grubhub and effectiveness? And how do you, at least at a high level, measure that from an organizational perspective? Yeah, I think, you know, if we're we're talking about SaaS management specifically, I'm viewing it as two numbers primarily right now. One, how much money are we saving? And two, how many less software applications do we have (laughs) at at the the end of the project that, that we described? For me, it's probably as as simple as that. Do you also have to have an eye on risk? Or is that really the InfoSec involvement that they carry that objective? Or do you own some of that as well? Yeah, we we own it. So risk is certainly an, an element that we pay attention to. So we we have rolled out a new supplier onboarding process that you know historically has looked at the data security and infosec elements of it to satisfy CCPA and, and, and the other regulate regulations that are out there. We've made that a little bit more robust and have added more participation from finance and, and other folks. But yeah, we're, we spearhead the process for supplier risk and for collecting the information, yeah. not only from the business lead, what data are we intending to share, but from also from the supplier in terms of what you know certification they have and, and, and what their internal processes are. And so we have a team in place that that reviews that, but that starts with us. Kudos on the simplicity of what you're tracking, the KPIs, what matters most, but also the awareness to be able to do what's right for the company and still be able to manage all of the varying components that procurement deals with every day. 
you know, you certainly have cost containment on your plate, but risk plays into that. Demand management plays into that. Doing the right thing for the company is really procurement's role. And I think you've encapsulated that really well. So kind of a, a last segment here. We love to close things out with our rapid fire segment. I'm going to list off a term or a, a word and I'd love your thoughts on it. And what I mean by that is maybe it's a word back, maybe it's a quick sentence, but I'd love to get your hot take on some of these areas as well. Okay. You got it. All right. The first one, auto renewals. Avoid them at all costs. However, we have a couple <laughs> where they make sense, but we avoid them. And it's something where people come and go in an organization and you may think they make sense, but then things get forgotten about in the cracks. And then you have to explain to, to somebody why you've renewed for another 12 months. <laughs> so, yep. so we avoid. There's always a lot of explanation going on after that. Yep. Negotiation. I wish I personally could do it more. It's uh, incumbent on you know my team to do the primary negotiating now. I think that's one of the most fun parts about our job, quite frankly. A Bulls guy, give me your favorite Bulls player, and I'm going to have to say past and present, one of each. There's the one and only, right? That's right. That's, that's 23, right. for sure. Yep. You know, current Bulls player, let's see. I'm really disappointed in this season, so I haven't I haven't watched as as much bowls. But if I'm thinking about last season, I I love DeRozan. He was fantastic oh, yeah. last year. So yeah, we'll, we'll say him. All right, favorite East Coast spot location for you and your wife as you guys are traveling. Where have you been that uh, really knocked your socks off? Mad River Valley, Vermont, is really? what I would say. Yeah, we we've uh, ventured up there a couple of times. It's a it's about a four hour drive away from where we are in, in Brooklyn and I'm a mountains guy and it's got beautiful landscape, a lot of nature and a very relaxing spot and within a reasonable drive to get there. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I think your experience in procurement coming out of a, a much larger role really lends itself well to what we're doing within SaaS management. You're a rock star leader, and we're super excited to continue partnering with you and watch your career grow as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. This was a ton of fun. I'm honored that you thought of me. So uh, yeah, we appreciate Zylo and looking forward to more with you. All right. Take care. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. Did you enjoy the episode? Pass it along to your friends. Subscribe to get notifications for the latest episode. Share your favorite takeaways and join the conversation on social media using hashtag SassMeUnfiltered.